Have you ever had a friend that you absolutely you love this person, um, but then at the same time you can't stand them? And the reason you can't stand them is uh, nothing that they've done bad. It's fact it's almost what they've done too well, um, and it makes you frustrated because you don't do things well as well. That's our guest today. I can't stand the guy because he does stuff so well. Um, he's one of those guys I describe as wise beyond his years. And uh, it just ticks me off because I'm not that smart. I'm not that wise. Um, and uh, he's younger than me. Just just hacks me, I'll tell you. But I love him to death. He's a fantastic guy. Um, just an awesome minister of the gospel. And uh, his, his ministry is a little bit different than a lot of ministries, I'd say the majority of ministries, um, but he is uh, called into camp ministry. Now, camp ministry, you know, I think a lot of times we think about, oh, you're there for a week or maybe two weeks or whatever, and then it's over, but there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of upkeep. There's a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of um, planning that goes into that. And so it's not just having really cool stuff to do at camp. There's way, 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 way more than that. Um, there's the spiritual aspect of it. Um, you know, there, you want to have a fun environment. You want to have a great environment um, for God to speak in. You want uh, an environment that you can kind of shut everything else out when you go to camp. Um, everything else that's going on in your life, you want to be able to just kind of close that down and focus on what's going on right then and there. It's, it's a chance for renewal. A uh, chance to recharge, um, to be around people that have the same kind of belief as you, um, or maybe they don't, and you can learn, or they can learn, or whatever the case may be. Um, but camp is a pretty special time and special place, in my opinion. And a lot of times, I think it gets overlooked as a very, very important ministry. And uh, there are very few people, I feel like, in this world that would be able to, number one, do camp ministry, but also to be able to do it well. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of positions that I feel like a lot of people could go and do. Uh, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of guys I know that can be senior pastors. Now, is that taking anything away from being a senior pastor, how difficult that might be? Not at all. But there's a lot of guys that I think can fit that role. There's a lot of guys I know that could go and be like a resident director at a college. Um, now, does that mean being a resident director isn't, you know, more of a specific thing? No, I'm not saying that at all. And it is extremely difficult because you're just dealing with college age students. And um, that's a whole nother ball of wax in and of itself. You know, is, is there a bunch of people that I know that could go and be uh, on the mission field? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that there are. But and, and it's not taking away the fact that it's extremely difficult. You're away from your friends and family. You're in a different country, different culture, different language. Um, th that's extremely difficult and it's needed. All of these are needed. But see, when it comes to camp ministry, those guys are kind of a different breed. Um, John's the kind of guy that I remember going over to his house um, <laughs> and he would have on his coffee table, you know, typically you have coffee table books. And um, I remember looking down and seeing on John's coffee table a book of knots. 
like knots that you tie with rope. And he goes, oh, isn't this cool, man? He goes, this is such an inexpensive way to, to have a good time. And was showing me all these different type of knots and what they were for and what rope, what knots you use when you like uh, do climbing and hiking and all this stuff. And I was just cracking up because I'm like, who does that? Who has a book of knots? Now, am I saying that it's not cool to have a book of knots? No, I'm not. No pun intended there, but it's that is a cool thing but that's not the first thing i'm going to reach for when i look at getting like a coffee table book or when i look at going man i really want some some good reading you know or something like that i'm going to pick up a book of knots um and so it's it's just a unique brand of person that is able to do camp ministry and do it well there are people that do camp ministry that are ugh, they need to pursue other callings for the kingdom. <laughs> we'll put it like that. But there are certain people that are able to step into that camp ministry role that instantly it's, it's enhanced because they have a vision for what that camp could be. And they're able to implement that vision and to have an enthusiasm to the point that everybody else that works with them or under them, um, they can catch that as well. And they buy into that and part of it is not just buying into the idea but buying into the person if the person is knowledgeable if the person has uh, a passion and a burning for it um, then they're going to to run with that as well they're going to want to get on board with that as well because I believe in what this person can do um, you know and <laughs> it doesn't hurt to have a book of knots when you want to be a camp director I mean come on so um but he's that type of guy. Uh, he was my RA in college um, when I was at uh, Olivet for a brief stint. Uh, and i surprised that we're still friends if he knew me back then, man. I'll tell you what. But uh, I loved this guy. He was a great RA. Uh, you could tell that there was a genuine care and concern uh, about, you know, just the people that he was an RA for back then. Uh, I've seen him be a youth pastor before. And uh, I, I uh, have found that his teens and students and also the parents that were involved, different things like that, that they looked at him and they knew that he genuinely cared and had a concern about um, their students. He's the type of guy that just is um, passionate about people becoming closer and closer with Jesus. And he's able to do that in so many different roles. I think that's one of the reasons that I absolutely can't stand the guy because he's so versatile. I feel like he's the type of guy that you can plant in any type of ministry that you have going on. He's going to be able to step back and look at it and go, this is the plan that we should probably implement because I'm observing these sort of things. When a lot of times I don't think people have that mindset. Now, are certain people hardwired to do specific things? Absolutely. Um, they're just That's just how they're made. Um, but John's the type of guy that he's able to do a lot of different things and able to do them well. Um, so one of the neat things that he, uh, will briefly mention in the podcast is when he, um, did a trip over the summer in an RV and he was doing some research. Um, and <laughs> he wanted to know why millennials are leaving, uh, millennials in case you don't know 
He's a, typically an age group. It's like from the early 1980s, I believe, to like the early 2000s. That's what I was reading. I don't know. That's what Wikipedia said. And I mean, you got to trust everything you can read online, right? Uh, that can't be wrong. But um, why they were leaving the church. Um, and so it, and there's, there's a fascinating, uh, fascinating reasons why. But I, I look at that and I <laughs> part of the reason is uh, we wanted questions answered and the people that were in charge weren't answering them. They weren't giving a good enough answer. Um, now, I'm not saying I, I have left the church necessarily, but I've talked to people as well. And, you know, they, they wanted answers. They weren't getting them. So they're going to go elsewhere. But we come back to that buying into um, buying into the people that are leading. If you're a leader and your people don't believe in you, they're never going to believe any kind of ministry that you're trying to run. They're never going to believe in any kind of um, church that you're trying to be uh, the head of. They're never going to believe in that. And so I look at that and I, I have to put an emphasis on you being genuine, you being uh, transparent. You People look at your life first before they buy into what you have. And so I take that and as a believer... We're never going to have people look at us and go, I want what they've got. And I, obviously we have Jesus. I want what they've got if we're not genuine. And a lot of times it comes with meeting a need. And if we can't meet somebody's basic need, they're never going to listen to us when we try to talk about their spiritual needs. That's just not going to happen. So a lot of it, I think, was us buying into the, the leader and not having questions answered. And so one thing too that I love about John and some of the advice that he gave was just being open when you're called, being open to that call, possibly taking a change or a turn. And when it does that, it not it's not because you're doing something wrong. You could be doing something absolutely right, but it might be that God needs to prepare you in a certain way for the end goal that he has. And so whenever you receive a call in your life, it's not that that call is uh, static or set in stone and that that's the only thing that I'm going to do. It may be, it might be, it, it very well could be, I'm called to do this and this is what I'm going to go do and I'm going to do it forever. But it might be, you're called to do this, there's the point B, but to get to that point B, we're going to take a few stops. We're going to have some turns. We're going to have some detours. And when you finally arrive at that point B of what I really want you to do, you're going to have these experiences that you've learned along the way. And when you've learned these experiences, you've gone through these certain things that is going to better prepare you for the grand vision that I have for your life. And, and a lot of times we don't understand that we get frustrated. I know I do. You know, I get frustrated because I step back and I go, I know that I'm called to this. I know that I'm supposed to do this. And I think that that's the end goal. I think that's that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And the fact that I'm not doing that is wrong. But maybe God has something different for my life at this moment. If you're like me, you don't do seasons very well. Seasons drive me insane. My wife, Kendra, is extremely good at seasons. She's able to um, look at something and go, all right, we're going to do this for this season. 
but God probably has something different or God might have something uh, changing in our life. And, I, you know, for me, I, I like to think I'm a big picture guy. Um, I'm the guy who's looking at 30 years down the road. And you can't look at 30 years down the road if you're only somewhere for a season. Drives me insane. I like thinking these, you know, dreaming these big dreams and, and things like that. And and it drives me insane. Now, I'm not wrong for dreaming like that. And she's not wrong for being able to do seasons and short periods of time. Uh, one of our friends said that me, me and I have a really good friend who's like this, too. We're the people that are, we're, we're me and my friend, we're the balloons that are floating up with this, all this helium and our wives are the ones who are kind of grabbing the string and pulling us back down like okay you're you're about to drift off you're about to you're about to just kind of fly off there let's get grounded yeah but you don't understand see a 30-year goal for this blah 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 and it would have all this stuff laid out and these grandioso visions and they would look at us and go that's great but what are we having for dinner tonight how are we gonna you know make enough money to pay um the energy bill this month things like that and so it's sometimes it's extremely difficult but i believe that god places people in our life that are able to compliment us in those certain things i know that my wife uh, and i are we compliment each other in that respect but when you're called don't think that that's the end all be all in fact I would encourage you um, to, when you're called to something, know that you're called to ministry. And we're all called to ministry, whether we believe it or not. It's just a matter of what that ministry looks like, where that ministry is located, how you can effectively do that ministry as you. And it might not always be that. There might be a total drastic shift in what you think you're called to do into something else. And that's okay. And will you be freaked out? Yeah, you better believe it. But he'll always be there for you. And he's not going to call you to something that he hasn't already gone before. This is the, the prevenient section of it, uh, the, the preventing where it's gone before. He's not going to call you to something and then you get there and then he's just going to go, good luck, and then head out. That's not going to happen. He's going to be with you every step of the way. So as we go into this interview, we go into this. That would be one of the major things I'd say I took away from this interview. I love, love, love this guy. He's fantastic. Um, he's a great friend. He's a great mentor. And uh, I really hope you enjoy his interview as much as I did. So let's start the show. Yes. <laughs> You got me straight up tripping, boo. You dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening. They was grabbing hankies, waving blankies. They was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we have the man, the myth, the legend, John Croft today. Uh, we're excited for him to be here. Thanks for joining us today, John. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, we uh, we typically have people that are fascinating or outside the box kind of ministries. You have you're a little bit of both. 
a little bit. You dabble a little bit. Um, right now, you, tell us what you do currently, right right now, and what then what you're going to do. Okay. Uh, right now, I am in student development at Olivet Nazarene University. I serve as the resident director of Old Oak Apartments. Um, I have about 170 college guys that I work with and a team of four RAs and one assistant resident director that are on my crew. So I basically get to be a pastor while these students are away from their home churches um, in their time at Olivet. So uh, that's kind of cool. That's a cool term. I've never heard an RD called that before, but that's really kind of true. Yeah, that's how I look at it at least. You're their pastor. Um, yeah, I am a I am a licensed Nazarene pastor, licensed minister, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you're official. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got the papers to prove it. I got the papers. Yeah, you do. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so when they're away yeah, from home, then, it's kind of like a church that you have to attend. <laughs> like attendance yeah, is guess. mandatory. You're talking about chapel, yeah. No, I'm sure. talking about their rooms. Oh yeah, they they do live they live in their in, they live in my church. Yeah, in essence, <laughs> that's awesome. Works out pretty good for me. Yeah, that works. I mean, attendance has been really consistent. <laughs> it is. You're reporting numbers. We even check attendance about about two or three nights a week. That's good. to make sure that they're actually there. That's <laughs> it's good. <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right, that's what you're doing currently. What what do you have on the works? What's 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 going on in the works here? It's going to be coming up. Yeah, coming up. Uh, <laughs> and I'm already kind of doing this part time, um, working for Nazarene Camp in Michigan called Indian Lake, and um, it's a denominational campground, uh, working with children and youth, um, and really people of all ages. So I'll be going there to serve. It's a pretty obnoxiously long job title, but I will be the director of camp programming and mission partner relations. Wow. Okay. Do me so, a favor. I think yeah. you either need a t-shirt or at least at the very minimal, a plaque or a placard <laughs> of some sort with that on there. So if anybody ever, ever questions you, you could look at them and go, do you know who I am? And then just point to the point to the little plaque there and be like, "How many letters are behind your name?" Oh, that's, snap! That's what I thought. Game set match, John Croft. There we go. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It'll be pretty fun. Uh, it's cool because I was I was the youth pastor at Chapman Memorial Church of the Nazarene, which is uh, about about one mile from this campground. Yeah, and so. Both of my kids were born in that community, and um, it'll be really cool just to kind of return to that place where we were able to serve and pick up and build those relationships that kind of got left off. That's awesome. Yeah. it's a That's definitely a unique opportunity that you get that a lot of people wouldn't be able to. So when you're this long title at this camp, what are some things that you're going to be doing or trying to implement or like what – it's kind of, kind of the office space thing. What, what would you say you do here? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, camp ministry is one of those things where they really probably should have 15 people on staff full-time, but because it's camp ministry, they'll have like three. Okay. So um, 
I'll be doing the things that are in my title and my job description, but I'll also probably be helping repair broken water lines and uh, putting roofs on buildings and stuff exactly. because it's damp. Um, but the main uh, the main projects that I'll be working on is um, enhancing our summer camp ministry, uh, trying to help us have more effective ministries and uh, reach more students with the good news. Um, we uh, recently, th- this camp is really old. It's been around since, I believe, 1926. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so it was it's like, not new. It was like the Church of the Nazarene met, formed, and then went to Michigan. It's a lot like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and said, let's build a camp. Yeah. Uh, and they've been there ever since. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, a lot of a lot of really great heritage, legacy kind of stuff has happened there. Um, a lot to be proud of and a lot to really just feel humbled and blessed by um, being able to participate in something that God has used so much over the years to shape so many people's lives. Um, but recent years have been kind of hard for the camp um, with just leadership and vision needing to change and uh, kind of find the new niche in camp ministry and so one of the biggest things that we've had to do and we'll actually be implementing this year is moving from volunteer um, summer staff having a different for 86 years or however many that is um, they've had a different crew of volunteer camp counselors and directors come in every single week to to minister to and uh, run each individual week of camp mm, and that sounds rough it's, yeah it's it's just there's not a lot of continuity and yeah. so it's hard to really cast vision and control um i mean not to use business terms but like quality control is a real struggle whenever sure. training is so rushed and you have to do you have to train and equip new people every week so it's been cool um to see how eager everyone is to embrace this really big change but we have a partnership with Olivet Nazarene University um, to where we can hire Olivet students to come and work uh, seven weeks at Indian Lake and they'll be paid a small stipend weekly um, and above their pay uh, they will get a $1,500 scholarship to Olivet nice Um, so it's a really sweet deal um, we've been able to hire almost at this point. I'm I'm just a few guys short of having a full staff, but we've we've had a lot of good interest and hired some taking, really great. Are people. you taking interviews? Yeah, yeah, we are. We, we're looking for three more guys. So if you're uh, if you're an Olivet student um, and you want to work at camp this summer, hit me up. There um, you go. There, shameless plug. It's too early for that. Right? It, well, yeah, I guess you can do it whenever you want to. Balls in your I court. Did. I can always edit it out. It's whatever. I don't care. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, that's so the goal is to have cool. have guys and girls there all summer long. And that way, so are you wanting then pastors to come as well on to these camps and stuff like that? Or are you saying, you know what, take the week off kind of thing, stay at home? Really good question. That's one that's come up a lot in this uh, paradigm shift. Um, the pastor is part of our niche. One of the things that makes Indian Lake 
very unique from, say, like a non-denominational uh, camp is that we are closely tied to the local church, okay. which means that we're, we're set up in a way where we can take this camp experience home and help make the camp experience sticky to where it's not just something that happened like uh, an event that comes and goes, but it's, it's part of the spiritual development process um, and part of the spiritual formation and Christian plan of a local church. So, yes, we're definitely interested in pastors still coming. They just will not be serving in the role of counselor. Um, so, so they for can, the pastors they that can really still be a this, shepherd when they're there. Yeah, this is it. for the pastors that have like that have grasped this. Um, it's really a relief because instead of having to be the one that stays in the cabin with your campers and you're focused on just your cabin group, which might not even all be your own kids. Yeah. Um, you are there, and you're just kind of a roaming agent. You can you're you can freely. Uh, hang out with with your kids. If your kids are split up in multiple activity groups, you can go hang out with this group for a while and spend time investing in these kids. Um, you can go and catch up with the other group after lunch or whatever. You know, it's you're free. And another thing that pastors really will benefit from this is the time they can spend with each other. Um, yeah. That's a real need in ministry is that feeling of camaraderie and community, um, pastor to pastor. Yeah. And when you're serving as a camp counselor, you're, you see other pastors there and you wish you could talk to them, but you're busy doing what you're there to do, which is be a camp counselor. So this will really liberate them to be able to do the ministry that they should be doing um, at camp, which is not counseling. So they'll be invited to the church, ser- the chapel services. They can sit with their students if they want, or they can kind of hover in the back and pray with their kids when they go to the altar and. You know, it's the it's kind of the best of both worlds. That is pretty um, sweet. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that they take advantage of it and don't just see it as a week off, because that would that would kind of defeat the purpose in some ways. Yeah, well, I know before, you know, um, I've spoke at camps and different events to like stuff with with you even, and and when kids are at the altar praying, um, you want to go pray with them. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the big thing is, is you want their pastor down there praying with them because at the end of the week, I'm not there, right? you know, and so they, but they will be, and they're going to be the thing that continues this spirit of renewal, continues this spirit of repentance, maybe, or something like that, that continues that on when they go home and there's an yeah. accountability factor to it as well. Yeah. Even I, one of the one of the roles that we don't think about is to even be there to remind them, because I ha- I actually had a, a camper one time who was part of my youth group and I prayed with him at the altar, um, and he this was this was a momentous occasion. Uh, he was um, having an encounter with the Lord and decided in that moment to respond in obedience to letting the Lord be the Lord of his life. Yeah. And I was there, I prayed with him and I, I mean, you, you could say that was the day he got saved, you know, this is a huge deal. Yeah. absolutely. And a couple of years later, I'm here with this student and we're in Sunday school and I like broke everyone up and had everybody pick a partner to pray with and talk about, you know, share prayer requests and so on. And which is a common thing. Sure. And, um, I ended up being partnered with, we had an odd number, so it wasn't just students. Um, I ended up being partnered with the same student, and 
he was sharing with me his doubts and his struggles and how and then he said and I don't think I've ever even really made a decision to follow Christ and I was there as his youth pastor who had prayed with him at the altar I was there I was able to say yeah you have <laughs> I prayed with you man yeah. this was real this happened and he had totally forgotten about it um, which was really a kind of kind of an odd phenomenon but um, it was you know if I was his camp counselor and I and I wasn't uh, part of his church, then that moment would have totally been forgotten. Yeah. But because I happened to also be his youth pastor, and that moment was presented, um, could kind of bring that uh, something that happened a couple years ago, bring it to the present, and help him to remember that uh, there was a point in his life that he wanted Christ to be Lord of his life. Yeah. That's, so yes, the that's... answer the answer to your question is yes. We hope youth pastors and. And pastors, children's pastors, <laughs> definitely still come to camp. If they don't, they're cutting themselves loose. Uh, I mean, cutting themselves, selling themselves short on ministry opportunities, and they're robbing their kids from uh, the best impact possible that summer camp can have. Yeah. So they need to be there. It's important. For sure. Well, okay. So as we look at this, why don't you tell us a little backstory about yourself? Like how. Did you ever have, and I've asked people this, did you ever have an aha moment where you go, I am supposed to be called, and I and I always use that in loose quotes, I'm called into ministry, um, or I'm called to this specific thing, or I am, I'm supposed to do this specific thing. Did you, did you ever have a moment like that? Or if you did, what was yeah. it? Or, you know, what, what was that yeah. for you? Well, um... You know, I think that in some ways, this is what the Jesus life really is. Um, there's a lot of call and response in our life. You know, we we hear uh, a message from the Lord and, you know, I guess sometimes it's an audible voice. That has not been my story, but um, whenever we are, uh, when we feel the holy impulse, if, if I can use that, um, holy we respond impulse. in obedience. Can I say that? I like that, okay? that a lot. Okay. Well, feel free to use it whenever I'm, you want. I'm going to steal that. Um, what's that? I'm stealing that. I'm totally stealing that. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I uh, there were a lot of responses to a holy impulses that got me to this point. Um, but I would say the first time I ever felt specifically called to ministry um i was working as a summer camp counselor at shiloh park which is um northeast indiana Marion, indiana the northeast indiana district campground for the sure. church of the nazarene and uh i had served for three years um one year as an unofficial intern and two years as a scholarship intern um in their <laughs> their leadership program and um it was at the end of the third year we were sitting under the picnic shelter with um all of the summer interns and our leaders dan and karen heinecker and we were just kind of having a debrief from the summer um it had been a whirlwind summer um i think it was 10 weeks long pretty much non-stop all gas no breaks yeah and uh a great summer, awesome ministry summer, loved it. 
Um, and we were sitting in this circle, and, and everyone was kind of going around sharing peaks and valleys, highs and lows, what's good, what's bad, tell us a story, a success story, you know, maybe something you've learned, you know. Kind of typical end-of-the-summer debriefing kind of conversation, you know. And I went last, and the whole time, I, I couldn't pay attention to what anybody was saying. Um, I was awkwardly staring at Dan and Karen, and I felt like the Lord was saying, the thing that they're doing, that's what I want you to do. And uh, and so when it was my turn to speak, I was like, I don't know what this means, but in this moment, I feel like God's calling me to camp ministry. So... Uh, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And um, so I went back to Olivet and realized, obviously, there's no camp ministry major to prepare me for that. So I kept my same psychology major and uh, kind of put together my own version of a camp ministry major. Um, with my what, would, elect- what does that entail? What does a camp ministry major entail? Well, there are uh, there actually are schools that have camp ministry majors. Um, and it's basically a Christian ed major with an emphasis in camp ministry. So there would be a couple upper division camp ministry, like, issues kind of classes. Yeah. Um, and then, but basically it's uh, Christian ed, um, psychology, uh, and business. And so I kept, I was a psych major, and I was almost finished with my, with my uh, upper division major requirements. So I finished my psych degree, and I just added some Christian ed and some business that I thought would make sense Yeah. Um, for what I felt the Lord was calling me to. So, yeah, I, I did have that moment, and it was uh, – I, I after that revelation, I guess you could say. Holy um, impulse. Holy impulse. Uh, I, I was pretty confident that the Lord had called me into camp ministry for life. And so um, I was pretty surprised after about three years in camp ministry because uh, I did I did work at uh, Water's Edge Camp, which is um, the Eastern Michigan District Camp in Howell, Michigan. I worked there for three summers, or I was full-time and ended up being two and a half years or three summers or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, I was pretty surprised when the Lord called me to something different after that because I felt pretty sure that I knew what the plan was camp ministry until you die and um, <laughs> that wasn't the plan because I was in youth ministry for six years and then did other things and then and after that and between here and so it's 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 been an it's been a crazy journey um, and it's funny now that it's been uh, I guess 11 or 12 years since I felt that uh, holy impulse with the Heineckers um, and now I'm going back into camp ministry, so yeah. I guess it's so, kind of going full circle. <laughs> so, okay, you're 12 years ago, you felt the holy impulse. It impressed itself upon you. How many of those years have you spent in camp ministry thus far? Um, every year but one, yeah. Okay. So I, as a youth pastor, I was directing... Um, directing and co-directing middle school camp and helping with high school camp uh, as a counselor or assistant director or various roles, mainly as a counselor. There was only one year that I was assistant director okay. at high school camp. 
but for the Michigan district at Indian Lake, which is where we're going now. Right. So, <laughs> so, so you haven't, but you haven't been like in full-time camp ministry the entire time. You've had other roles you've done as well. Yeah. That whole time, other than the first three years at Water's Edge, I was in youth ministry. Um, and as we talked about earlier, the, the model was that youth pastors on the district are the ones that run the camps. Sure. Uh, as directors and as counselors. So, so that was my involvement in camp ministry for those six or seven summers, however many it was. Yeah. So then do you feel like God had you fill other roles to prepare you for what maybe you're going into now? Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I learned a lot about how the church works and how the church ought to work. Um, and what my role is in that whole equation. Mm-hmm. Um, working in youth ministry, I had great friends and great leaders um, that I worked with. Dave Downs and Wes Bittenbender were, Dave was my uh, senior pastor at Chapman, and he helped me a lot in my first years of ministry, kind of really understand what youth ministry looks like and what relational ministry looks like and what it means to be in a place and stick it out for the long term and, and have... Uh, more than just a here and gone kind of ministry, but to really have tenure and to influence a community more than just your, your own congregation. So that was really helpful. And, uh, Wes Bittenbender was, um, the executive pastor, uh, at the church that I was at. So we worked a lot together and he's a youth ministry legend. He was, he was a youth pastor for a hundred years and, uh, just, Got, he's got a ton of ideas, and he's full of ambition and energy, and he was a great encouragement to me over my time at Chapman. And uh, I, I feel like knowing people like them, uh, it really it gives you energy to see ministry through to the end. Yeah. But th- those, those were huge for me. Yeah, I, I really feel like my time at Chapman and, um, and even after has really – will really benefit my ministry at Indian Lake moving forward. Nice. Okay, so it sounds like you've done, you've kind of been all over the place, but camp ministry has really been the focus, but you've done, you know, the youth pastor thing. You've done, uh, you've been an RD. Um, memory serves me right. You were in an RV all summer, one summer, right? Yeah, I did off. that. I did that. Yeah, I, I um, there was a, a gap between when I felt like it was time for me to leave Chapman where I was doing youth ministry and when my contract at Olivet started. Um, and so from April to August, um, me and my wife and my two kids who were one and a half and three at that time, uh, lived in a, uh, tag along trailer, 26 foot coachman. Nice. And, uh, I had a, I had a research job um, with the Global Ministry Center. Uh, I was hired by Gary Hartke, and I guess technically I was commissioned by the Board of General Superintendents to to answer the question of how to engage millennials in the mission of church planting in the United States. So I could do that from wherever I wanted, and so I said, why pay rent when I can just move into an RV and travel all over the country? <laughs> nice. So, 
over the course of that summer, we pulled that RV about 9,000 miles. Ooh. We were in 26 states, six national parks, and it was awesome. That, that was a summer to remember for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So you've done, you did the RV thing for a summer, youth pastor, camp ministry. If you got somebody who, let's say you have some young kid, guy or girl, that says, you know what, I think I could be called to ministry, possibly camp ministry, youth pastor, whatever it might be. What what's some of the best advice maybe that you could either give or some that you have received that you could pass on to somebody who's looking to do that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the lessons you could take away from my journey is that you you can't close your mind. Or your ears after you receive your call because I believe a call is dynamic not static um, the Lord called me to ministry and I thought of that narrowly when I was under that picnic shelter um, I thought specific that he's called me to camp ministry and so that time when I was entering into youth ministry, I really resisted that quite a bit, um, in my heart at least, and because uh, I felt like this isn't the plan. I know the plan, and this isn't it. You told and, me the uh, plan before, and now you're deviating, and that's not okay. Right. So I think that um, I've known people, uh, and I don't. I don't know. You know. You know. Scripture says, "Man looks at the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart." So I don't know people's hearts but if I were judging somebody by their actions and their words that they use to describe their call I would say there are people that once they figure out what step one was of the Lord's call on their life they stop listening and they just keep doing the one thing that the Lord has called them to do and so I would encourage a young pastor or a young whatever they're called to um to always be listening in obedience because it could be that the Lord wanted you to be a full-time senior pastor for five years. And then he wants you to, uh, become a lawyer. Who knows? I mean, we have no idea what the Lord's big plan is for us. Um, and it's all, it's all through, there's plenty of examples in scripture about people that have changing roles and their life takes on a lot of diverse turns. I mean, just look at the story of Joseph. Um, yeah. And we see all kinds of variety in his obedience and how the Lord used him to do some, I guess, pretty cool stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I feel like a lot of people stop listening. And so I would say that would be one bit of advice. Just because the Lord has called you doesn't mean you know how the story ends. Keep so listening. It's almost as though he's calling you to ministry. And sometimes specific, but you might have a, a different path to get to the end goal. Yeah, and what is the end goal? I mean, I think that's something that that we don't we we don't even know. I is camp ministry the end goal for me? I don't know. It's the goal where I'm at right now. I could I be in camp ministry for the rest of my life? 
well, sure, if that's what the Lord wants me to be. But if he wants me to plant a church, I'll do that. If he wants me to uh, be in youth ministry again, I'll do that. If he wants me to uh, build cabinets, I can do that too. You know, it's whatever. I My call is, is dynamic and because our Lord is dynamic. And so I, uh, I want to always be flexible and open to whatever change he may have for me and for my family. And um, I, I would say to a young pastor, always keep your mind open because you don't, you're not writing this story. <laughs> um, another thing, this is kind of a more practical little bit of advice. Um, this is, my dad was a pastor for 20 years. Uh, 20 something years I don't know exactly he's still in ministry but he's not a pastor at a church he's in he's in camp ministry ironically um, he and I got into camp ministry the same year <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool but um, he said that uh, the best bit of advice for a pastor entering uh, a role in a local church is do not change anything for a year and I think a lot of times a new pastor will come in and just see everything that's wrong and start making changes, but the new pastor hasn't earned the right to change anything yet. And so earn the right to change things before you change things. And even if something is just absolutely painfully, obviously in need of change, don't change it until you've been there for a year because you've earned, after a year, if you've played your cards right, you've earned the people's trust and they'll see you as their leader, but they won't see you as your, as their leader until they've earned, until they've learned to trust you and see you as one of them. But I see so many times pastors come in and they're like, Oh, this sucks. We got to change this. This is, this is horrible. What are we doing here? We got to change this. And people can't handle all that change at the same time. The biggest change they've already, they're already getting used to is that you are here. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Who are you, and why do you think you know what we need to do? You don't even know who we are. Yes. Yeah. So, I would say that that has that served me very well in my church position at Chapman. Um, uh, and there were there were plenty of things that needed to change, and I waited it out for that first year. And whenever it was time to change them, the change was accepted and it was embraced, and it went. I won't say without a hitch, because you're because haters gonna hate, but <laughs> and haters gonna ain't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to shake it off. <laughs> you can edit we can, that out. <laughs> we can just do the rest of the interview in song title quotes. That would be that would work well for me. <laughs> good. good stuff. Uh, so, but yeah, I I totally agree. So day three sixty four. Hang on, you got one more day. Day 365, you go nuts. Go nuts. <laughs> yeah, sure, something like that. <laughs> we're, re- we're changing the name of the church. Mm, time out there, buddy. You've only been here one year. <laughs> nice. So, um, now, if you have, do you have any, uh, any you want to call shameless plugs that you want to plug a ministry, a website, say hi to anybody, a shout out, anything like that? shameless plug i'll plug away the camp uh if you uh if you have any children or youth in your home 
send them to camp. And if you're anywhere close to Michigan, send them to Indian Lake. If you don't do that, you're a bad parent, and you obviously don't love your kids. <laughs> this must be shameless, right? That's pretty shameless, That's right? That's shameless indeed. You, <laughs> no shame in your game at all. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, do you want to say say anything else? Any more shameless what have yous? Um, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> My mom doesn't even know what iTunes is. So she's yeah. not gonna hear this. <laughs> we'll send her the interwebs page, and she can get on the Google. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate you being on here, um, and uh, excited for what God has in store for you. Great advice, and uh, look forward to the upcoming days. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget to check us out online at LegacyHelms.org or any of our other platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Player FM. Please subscribe and write a review for us. We want to hear what you have to say. If you need t-shirts for your next big event, we've got you covered. Visit us on the website and click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form online under preaching. If you want to send us an email and get in contact with us, please do so and send it to legacyhelms at gmail.com. And as always, remember, don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.